Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Book Lounge. Today, we are talking about The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Um, your hosts, as always, are myself, Corinne Ritchie. And me, Tom Butler-Burden. And uh, as you know by now, uh, what we do each week is uh, take a great nonfiction classic. It could be a new one or an older one. And um, we discuss it uh, with our guests and dissect it. And um, as curator, I'll sort of give my take on it and why I think it's still relevant and worth reading. Yep, and I will also weigh in on the book and update you on the latest news about the title and the author. Now, for um, the most in-depth knowledge about this book, we recommend two things. One, this podcast is brought to you by Memoed, so be sure to check out the savable, shareable 10-point memo about this book. You'll find a link to it in the show notes. And two, we recommend that you listen to our Book Insights episode on this book. That's going to be a more detailed summary, overview, and analysis. But here in the Book Lounge, it's more of just an informal chat on the book of the week. Yes, yeah, so the book of the week is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel, Don, Don, uh, Miguel Ruiz. Um, and uh, w- what's the sort of uh, big idea of this book? Um, it's essentially that life is an illusion and by creating um, your own sort of agreements uh, with between you and the universe, instead of just sort of accepting things and accepting the way the world seems, uh, you'll put yourself in greater control of your life and um, save yourself a lot of suffering. Um, Ruiz himself is born in Mexico and um, he wanted to take the life lessons of his people um, and the Toltec wisdom and sort of bring it to a larger audience. so I think it was Ellen DeGeneres that helped make the book famous, which she's talking about with Oprah Winfrey. Um, but just a bit of background, Ruiz's mother was a curandera, a healer, and his grandfather was some kind of uh, shaman. So he had this sort of context and heritage um, which, which helped to set him up really to write this book. Yep, and to discuss this book of Toltec wisdom, we have with us a guest who's an award-winning musician. Um, He is known as a modern troubadour. He's also a fellow podcaster, and he helps people on their spiritual and creative journeys. He's a shaman of sorts, if you will. Uh, Please welcome Nathan Maingard. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. Yeah, so Nathan... um uh, what I mean, your your background's musician and so on, and and um, you know, really poet. Um, but what what led you to sort of discover this book, and um, you know, what, what sort of places has it had for you in your in your career as a musician? There's a funny story to this. I mean, it's one of the books I've known of since I don't know many many years, and when I've Early on in my relationship with my life partner, my beloved Carly, uh, she said, there's this great book, you should read it. And she even bought it for me. And I was like, yeah, I've heard of that one. And for some reason, I just resisted. And I just resisted and resisted for years. And it was only about, I must say, maybe two years ago that I finally sat down and read it. And when I read it, I was like, oh, okay. And it basically, for me, it's like he says more clearly and directly so many of the things that I've been learning and gathering 
along the road of my life. And he just kind of put it all into one really beautiful book with really four very straightforward agreements that if someone chooses to consciously practice those agreements, at least for me, it's it's really a huge part of transformation in my life. So it affects all areas of my life for sure. Do you have any example of how any one of those agreements has um, positively impacted you, your work, your life? Yeah, so so like I said, it, it really gave me a sort of structure for describing things I'd already been working on for a long time. So the first agreement, be impeccable with your word, is is incredibly powerful. It sounds so simple, and yet... What is being impeccable with my word? It means using, acknowledging first of all that the word, my word, is magic, is power. That that if the things I choose to speak in my mind and the things I choose to speak out loud have a resonant impact on the universe. And if I choose to speak ill of others, if I choose to spend my word creating um, disharmony then I'm basically, as he calls it, it's like almost black, black magic, like it's dark magic. And so when I read that, that just helped me to realize why I've felt so, why word has always been so important to me and why I've been spent so much of my time becoming precise and and accurate in the way that I speak in, in sort of practicing things like conscious communication, nonviolent communication, all these different styles of communication, which are all really doing the same thing to become impeccable with my word. And then just briefly, the final one, I mean, they're all amazing, it's hard to choose, but the final one, do your best, was a relief to me to to read that because I realized that sometimes my best is lying in bed for three weeks watching Netflix because I'm just like crushed by the weight of the world. And But yeah. if that's my best, then hallelujah, and I can celebrate that. Yeah. And it's just being honest with myself, like, is this really my best? Can I get out of bed? Can I go and do something else that's going to maybe serve me and the world more? If not, then, okay, ce- celebrate my best, which is being in bed. Um, and that really re- relieved a lot of pressure from, from me personally. Mm, yeah, mm. that's really inspiring. Yeah, and um, uh, uh, one of the other ones, don't take anything personally. I mean, for me, this is often the hardest one to sort of um, – abide by really because we are you know we're basically sort of egos and um we do take everything personally (laughs) so it sort of goes against human nature um so nathan i'm wondering what sort of how you've sort of dealt with with that agreement and how you have uh succeeded with it or not that one is a it's one of my they're all my favorites every if you mention any of them i'll be like that's my favorite but in this moment that's my favorite um and and what's what i love about that is is the realization and the practice it's a practice we're here to practice this stuff uh, that really if i if you come to me and am i allowed to swear on this podcast Maybe I won't. I just uh, we'll keep it clean. But say you come to me, and uh, <laughs> if you come to me and you say, Nathan, you're a you're an absolutely terrible person. You are the worst person I have ever met in my life, and I wish that I had never met you. And I think you deserve to experience much pain. Um, at that point, I have options. I can either go, Oh my gosh. That's really personal. That's that's really intense. Um, or I can say, okay, you have a pers- you have an opinion and a perspective that is really strong, 
And I'm curious to know what it is on your screen, what is in your world that inspires you to feel that way. And if you're available, we can have a conversation about it. And I have the potential to learn that I've been really I haven't been impeccable with my word. I haven't been doing my best in some areas. And you're just reflecting that for me. You've just bought me the gift of like, dude, you are out of line and I'm upset with you about it. And maybe you didn't word it that way. But then by the same token, maybe when we converse a bit and I'm like, okay, what I'm hearing is that you're actually in a lot of pain, that there's something that I'm reflecting for you that you don't want to look at that feels that that is in you, but it's easier, it's less painful for you to to feel it yourself so you project it onto me and then you then you have an enemy that you can now put that onto and i can once i realize that all i feel for you is empathy and like wow that's that you seem like you're in a lot of pain right now that seems really hard and so i had all the choices that i if through that process i claim and hold a hundred percent of my sovereignty of my responsibility my ability to respond my responsibility which is all that that is and um and so that's the power of not taking it personally. If I took it personally, I would shut the door on all kinds of incredible lessons and connections and deepenings and growth that could otherwise have occurred. And so, yeah, I don't know if that, that's, that's what comes up for me when you, so that to me is one of the most profoundly powerful. I actually just got off a live stream for my community on Telegram and I had the first troll that I've ever had on, on the live stream. And so someone came on and put their hand up to speak and I unmuted them. And this was after we'd just done a breathwork session together and some meditation and everything's like super zen. <laughs> and I unmute this person <laughs> whose, whose name was Smile, which I thought was funny. And immediately he starts saying terrible things, just telling me all these horrible things about myself and and so I muted him because I'm, I'm not available I don't have to sit and just listen to that but immediately my immediate response was like I just want to acknowledge that I know you're in some serious pain and I'm I'm so glad you're here I hope that you can stay and listen to the songs and and connect with the community and because no one can can say stuff like that to someone else and go to the effort to come to a beautiful live stream where we're all breathing and zenning together and 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 share something like that without themselves being in terrible pain and so that gave he gave me an opportunity i didn't take it personally it's not about me clearly why he knows nothing about it either way so anyway that's my that's my answer to your question is is that by not taking it personally i gift myself and the world the opportunity to grow and expand together that's such a great example and the trolls are everywhere and so that's such a great way of uh, of framing it and using this um, this knowledge because that's what this podcast is all about how do we take wisdom from books and apply it and I think that's an excellent example and uh, whether folks are dealing with trolls online or just you know in person and any anytime we have to admit we're wrong um, it takes me back to that other book we've done being wrong we have a podcast on that one it is so hard like it's against human nature our brains are wired to uh, to to treat being told we are wrong as an enemy attacking us. And so we, we, I mean, the ability to stay curious and ask questions and seek empathy in those moments and not just take it personally, it's, um, it's a gift. It, it really is. So I really appreciate you sharing that. That's, that's great. And I think it will be really inspiring for our podcast listeners. Well, just to say, even more than a gift, you know, often when, when someone hears my songwriting or my poetry, they say, wow, you're so talented. And, and words like talent and gift are, again, being impeccable in our word. It's one of the words I'm shifting is that it's actually if you dedicate your life 
to becoming impeccable with your word and not taking things personally and all of those things. If anyone does that, they will develop that skill. So for me, for example, I get it wrong all the time. Like there are, it, what you just said, I was like, well, I need to read that book. Cause like so often um, something will, especially with my beloved and I, you know, she's my closest mirror. So, so often something will happen or she'll do some tiny thing and suddenly, especially when I realize I've done something wrong. Oh my gosh, my God comes up. I have all these stories about why I'm right actually. And, and then I try to avoid it and like, but I'm practicing. So as soon as I get, take enough breaths, have enough moments, I can go to her and say, I apologize, I was wrong. And that, when I do that, I instantly feel this release and this relief, but it's not because I'm, it's not the gift or the talent, it's the practice that makes it. So like just for, any, for anyone listening, practice and you will be terrible at all new things you practice at first that's part of the journey anyway thank you <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah that's a great point that when you don't take things personally you tend to have uh, better judgment because you can see things clearly instead of through the veil of selfish illusion um, and that leads us on to the to the other agreement don't make assumptions um, I, th I think uh, what what Ruiz is saying here is um, try to spend more time in a state of curiosity instead of uh, judgment. Um, so Nathan, what's your um, experience with with that agreement? Don't make assumptions. Th that one might be my hardest one in some ways because it's it's almost like abstract. So, but I but because I I some I I. Tr trust or I rate my perspective highly, which it's not, it's not necessarily a great <laughs> thing, but, but I think, oh, I, I know what's happening here. Like I know, I, clearly this is what's happening. And, and, and again, it's closing a door on the opportunity to know what's actually happening or to connect. And you know, what, what has worked really well with this book for me is, is learning, and I'm still very much in my infancy with it, but learning nonviolent communication, which is a, a system developed by Marshall Rosenberg. And, and he says that, that everything comes down to feelings and needs. And a feeling is always related to a need that is either being met or unmet. And, and that's helping me a lot with that third agreement, like not to make assumptions, because instead of me jumping to a conclusion around, oh, well, that person's just, just, just a pain in the ass, basically, or whatever the story is that I have. Um, I can hear someone who's maybe attacking me or or, 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 um, or just someone who gossips a lot or someone who, who complains a lot or all those kind of things. And I can, when I'm in my center, which you know, comes and goes, I can look at them and say, okay, what the feeling they're expressing is frustration or it's anger or it's whatever. What is the need that's beneath that? So the feeling is either a feeling that feels good or it feels uncomfortable. Um, and the need is always beautiful. So the need is always beautiful. It's something like a need for connection, a need for inclusion, a need for safety, a need for acknowledgement, whatever all the things, the beautiful needs that we all carry. And so when I can take a moment to again connect in to, wow, it sounds like that really angry person has a need for safety or a need for acknowledgement or a need for something, then immediately I can, I calm down enough to be able to connect with them and say, 
wow, it sounds like you're going through something really tough right now. Like, what, what do you feel like, what's missing? Like, what's happening? And then, and then they tell me, and then I haven't made an assumption that I thought I knew what they were going through and I made a judgment on that assumption. I was like, well, I know what's happening and I'm gonna judge them for that. Um, and this is, again, I really do feel like this is the one that's, that's the one I'm least skilled in because I judge myself and I judge other people constantly it's one of my uh, because I judge myself so harshly it's one of my oldest most ingrained patterns of of self-punishment is 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 calling myself terrible things when I make a mistake or when I whatever the story is whatever the assumption or judgment I have around myself and so then I also do it to other people and so that that awareness is is helping me a lot but it really is of all the four it's the one that feels the most challenging for me yeah, I think that also ties into kind of the being wrong idea because assumptions are our comfort zone. Assumptions are uh, what we think we know, what we think we're mm. right about. It's, it's it's also like Tom says, it's tied into the ego. To assume is to trust your own intuition, to trust your knowledge, to trust your experience. And so it is kind of going against our human nature to drop those and to stay curious and to stay open and um, all of those things are, are really uh, counterintuitive and especially counterintuitive to a lot of what the culture says about like, trust your heart and trust your gut and all these kinds of things. But what that can do sometimes is put you in very assuming places and you think, you know, and it closes you off to any other um, alternative. Mm. Well, there's yeah, almost I'll a give a go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, there's a, actually, I feel like there's a collaboration that can start to happen between the gut feeling, the instinct, the intuition, and and the, the desire not to, to make assumptions. So, so if, because our guts actually, if we can really get back to our gut, like as we know, our gut is our second brain or maybe even our first brain, like it produces, there's so much going on in our guts. And, uh, and if, when the gut says something isn't right, to, to then be able to, okay, channel that through without making an assumption, but channel, I have a feeling, so I don't want to make an assumption. Let me use my impeccable word and do my best and say, I'm feeling something right now. Are you open to checking in about that? And then if they say yes or no, then yes. Okay, well, this is what I'm feeling. How does that feel for you? And then again, we've, yes, I have a, in a way I have an assumption, but I'm not claiming my assumption as the truth. I'm just claiming it as the feeling that I'm having. And there's something softer in that as well. So anyway, I love what you said though, I agree. <laughs> I think it'd be hard to untangle gut feelings, which is sort of based on our physiological fight or flight um, mechanisms, and then other feelings or that we get, which are based on um, less sort of basic drives. Uh, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, in terms of like um, someone, we, we might be presented to someone who we have a sort of weird feeling about, um, but is it just something about their appearance, say, that we have sort of clocked as in the past um, not matching up with something we're comfortable is, we are with, or is it something about that specific person that we're picking up on? Um, it's hard to, hard to disentangle, I think. Well, it's always about us, right? Like no matter what anyone else is, and, and we might, it might be, as you say, like a safety thing of like, oh, we had a bad experience with a person who looked like that at some point, or 
and then now this other thing's coming up and so but it it's also as it's that same thing of claiming full responsibility internally whatever my perspectives are my perspectives and by the same token if we can practice things like i mean for me things like breath work cold water immersion etc and train ourselves to to rest more in our parasympathetic not our fight or flight but our but our um, rest and digest our vagus nerve the part when we calm down and if we can then have gut feelings from that place a feeling of something's coming up and wants to be expressed but to do it without needing to go into a state of heightened activity heightened stress um then we again have another opportunity to to learn something the the challenge comes right now in the world is that most people aren't skilled in responsible conscious communication uh so if i come to someone where i feel something coming up and i want to bring it to them and say hey i i have this sense that it seems like you're you're taking up a lot of space right now like there's this you, you every time we hang out you just speak 100% of the time and it feels like you've you know is 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 does that feel, how does that feel for you that person would probably be like oh my god i can't believe you said that to me that's terrible but it's actually i'm not saying they're bad or saying that they've done something wrong i'm just saying i perceive this help me to understand what 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 we're navigating here together um anyway so yeah it's a, it's a challenge i just wish for more people to to practice these skills so that we can all kind of go deeper together <laughs> yeah definitely i'm one of the things about communication um that i really like that ruiz br- brings up is um as you mentioned nathan like the idea that they're magic that they are good magic or black magic they uh that there's power you know and um it can sound a little woo woo uh, especially on this podcast where often we're talking personal finance and you know very like objective things uh, so it might sound a little far out to people but um it is an interesting way of thinking about words because if you think about what spells are they are just words that you speak and actions that result and that's exactly what happens when you speak to someone uh things happen it changes people's feelings it changes people's actions and behaviors and your words affect the world and so thinking of them as uh almost like as spells or magic or something like that might help people to use them more wisely to use them more impeccably um one of the quotes i really like from this book is ruiz says uh, avoid using words to speak against yourself or to gossip about others use your power of word in the direction of truth and love it's just so simple so poignant um and just such a great reminder that you have the ability to create truth and love in the world if you choose to use your words in that way hmm. you know what you said there is is actually such an important thing for this time when the world seems so divided and and there's so much fear and to me i think the fear that i witness and and so when i turn on the news or turn on the radio which i do very very rarely for specifically the reason that they are not being impeccable with their word that it's absolutely an irresponsible use of the word when the way that fear is being pushed on every channel and it's not i mean i i know it's intensified in the last sort of 18 months but but I didn't watch news or turn on the radio for a long time before that for exactly that reason is that the news is not news it's bad news mm. and and it 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 feeds into the most uh, the most base parts of ourselves that are valid parts we need to know when there's danger but when it's used as a weapon like that people are in such a heightened state exactly as Tom said fight or flight 
people are operating from a place of adrenal overload that how can we when when we're in fight or flight our logical decision making brain goes offline all we are in is a state of survival we are like we need to fight or fly we need to get into this or get out of it and so i i do believe when i look at the world even before this last these last 18 months higher rates of suicide depression chronic pain obesity diabetes like we are not in a healthy society we are in a society one of the primary results of our society is disease is disease and a huge part of that is because our society is not impeccable with its word it actually is is pretending i'll use an example coca-cola drink happiness that advertising can say something like that and for it to be a direct lie Yes, you might feel a moment of joy when you drink your Coca-Cola, but the long-term results of drinking something that's actually got zero health benefits, only bad ben only bad results from drinking any of those kind of drinks. And yet they can put an ad with beautiful people dancing in the sun, singing, drinking and saying drink happiness. That is not being impeccable with your word. And our whole society is doing that. So or well, not a whole society but what we see in the mainstream in the in the majority of the information and so again it's like choose what you consume choose the word you consume make sure it's impeccable and 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 that's a critical thing especially in this time because imagine this if everyone in the world or the majority of the people started consuming impeccable word speaking impeccable word thinking impeccable word and acting in this way the entire reality would change that's why he says reality is an illusion it is an illusion and we create it together if we choose different different happens anyway i'll stop there but you know what i'm saying <laughs> absolutely you made, you raised such a great point that it's not the news it's the bad news and i'm really hoping my grandmother's listening to this episode because she likes to call me every time horrible things happen in the world and i'm thinking well if they reported every time something wonderful happened that would be probably what most of the news is but that's not the way it works it's the bad news and i love that and i'll definitely use that <laughs> <laughs> yeah and the bad news is creates a big narrative about the way things are um which is pretty hard not to not to tune into um and for me the the uh agreement always do your best it seemed the most sort of like vanilla obvious one um so and it's like um you know living with no regrets being productive being of service to your community your family um things like that um to me it's that sort of seems obvious but um guys like why why do you think this was um so important to to Ruiz that he wanted to make this one of only four agreements hmm. yeah that's a great question it's interesting because for me i think I, i mentioned earlier that that one was one of the most helpful for me because it was like I think in my mind part of my patterning from my childhood is that I'm never good enough. And so there's always more needed for me to be good enough but the goalpost is infinitely moving. <laughs> so as I reach another thing of oh I did a good thing. Oh sorry no 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 you got to that wasn't good enough. And so there is a relief in remembering. And and especially because like you said he chose there were four agreements. 
one of them is that one. It's like, these are clearly very important. It's and, 25%. And, yeah, yeah, it's like, it's a serious amount. That's one in four. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and that he gave it such weight and that, I, that the rest of the book resonated with me so deeply that when I arrived at Do Your Best and read more into the details of like, that my best can look like whatever it looks like, that it doesn't, it's not externally judged as like, well, that wasn't good enough. It's like, no, I, I feel it, I did my best. And that was a gift to me. And so I, I imagine that for many others, it's been a gift as well. In a world, again, a society that's obsessed with, with expansion, constant moreness, more, 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 get the next thing and you get the thing. And then within a few hours or a few days, it's like, well, now I need another thing whatever that thing is. And uh, so that's why I love that one so much. And it's funny because I agree, it's like so straightforward. Really, do your best, that's it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's not like do your best and like do your best or do better, like you better do better. It's like, do just do your best. Know where your best is in every moment. And if you feel like you're doing that, then whatever that is, celebrate, well done, amazing. And if you don't, if you go, yo, today my best was really low, do it again the next day and just keep, it's like this, it's so much gentler than do better, which is something I've seen thrown around. That's not being impeccable with your word. That kind of language is so immediately combative, immediately causes friction. Do better. Oh my gosh, I've lived my life trying to do better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think what he's trying to do is, when I think about it now, he's trying to separate um, actions from rewards, as you said. And um, sort of doing things for the love of it, um, without worrying about the the outcomes, um, and getting into a state of flow, or really digging into the the process of whatever you do, instead of thinking about the results of it. Um, and yeah, I think when I think about like um, the the writing that I've done, whenever I've got really worried about a deadline or God, what's going to happen to this book? Is it going to be any good? As soon as I think, oh, no, I'm just going to focus on the next page or paragraph uh, today in front of me, um, you know, then things work again because it's your, you're only thinking about, you know, what you could possibly do with this sentence or this, this paragraph, and um, that's all we can do really. It's true. Yeah, that's a great way of seeing it as moment by moment, I'll just continue to do my best because that's all I can do. And hopefully that is a freeing kind of a thing of um, I, if I'm doing my best, then it's enough. And it doesn't matter what the world says and it doesn't matter um, what the end result is. It's just as long as you are always doing your best, then nothing else matters. Mm. Um Go ahead, Nathan. <laughs> uh, yeah, just, just I love, I really appreciate what you just said, uh, Tom, that what you brought to me now, because that's a reminder for me, because I get confused and lost in that a lot, where I feel, as I said, it's one of my old patterns of like, I need to be doing more. And I'm, and recently, I've been feeling some of that again. And you've just reminded me, just go write a poem, man. You are a poet. You are a musician. You are here to share the word. Share the word. The rest is out of your hands. Just share the word and then take action with what is in front of you. So I really appreciate that. And there's, I don't know why, but this story has come up for me. Um, I don't know if it applies, but it's a story of an old sort of Zen or Taoist monk who lived however many 
years ago and a true story as far as it's told um and he everywhere he went he was considered one of the masters like really really highly regarded but everywhere he went he went with his donkey and his manservant and on his donkey was were just bags of wine and a shovel and the sh- the wine was because he was a, a sot he was an absolute drinker constantly and the shovel was so that when he dropped dead from drinking his manservant could bury him where he fell and when i first read that story and it was in a in a book on taoist um like mastery and practices and i couldn't it just i was like what do you how can he be a, an enlightened master he's an alcoholic the guy's clearly unwell and uh, and then through thinking with it and, and challenging myself I'm like what could this be i realized like you know what life life is to be lived fully 100% that's the invitation so this person chose his path was like i'm just going to drink and and connect with the divine and share my wisdom and he, as i said he was considered a master and and yet he was outside of what our society considers good or okay and uh, and there was just something in that about i don't know the drunken sage i don't know it just touched me and it was like he was doing his best and his best was not what i would choose but but look at what joy it's brought me to 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 free myself from the structure of an idea of what good is um anyway so there you go Oh, I think that's extremely fitting because this whole book is about how um, it's an illusion. So much of it is an illusion. And I think you're speaking exactly to that of, um, you know, we've we have these sort of hidden agreements that this is the way you're to live your life. Um, and we all agree this is the way you're supposed to live your life. And anyone living al- alternate to that in any way uh, is judged. But if we can release those assumptions and release those hidden agreements and create our own, then we see other options and other ways of life and um, and not think that there's just one path and everyone must be on that one singular path. Um, it relates to another quote from the book, which is, we have learned to live by other people's point of view because of the fear of not being accepted and of not being good enough for someone else. Uh, which, you know, as we've spoken about, that we can't control other people, we cannot control their perceptions, and yet we choose to adjust ourselves, our lives for those others. And uh, there's just, it's a power we're giving away. Mm. Um, yeah, and um, I think uh, part of the reason why this book has been so popular, I mean, I didn't know anything about Toltec wisdom, right? <laughs> so um, for me, that side of it was interesting. Um, but uh, it, it seems to me that what, that what he's saying in the book is really universal. I mean, yeah, I mean, in Buddhism, Hinduism, they talk about the veil of illusion all the time. In Christianity, you know, the word is everything. It's, you know, it's probably one of the most frequent um, word in the Bible. Um, so I think it's just interesting that this is a book that is, it's been a bestseller because you don't have to have any particular uh, spiritual or religious background to, um, to really gel with it and, and get something from it. Um, and on that note, um, Nathan, uh, we always sort of give uh, a mark or grade out of five for the book we're discussing, and we say why. Uh, Corinne, would you like to start? Sure. 
So um, I'm going to give this uh, three out of five bookmarks. So I love the bits of wisdom and advice, uh, but I have to admit that um, I am one who prefers things a little more practical. I, I'm one who likes a little more of a checklist. That's just me. It's tell me what to do and I will do it. Um, this is not that book. He is not going to give you 10 things to do when you wake up tomorrow. Like It's not that. Um, so that, that would be my only reason for taking off any marks. But with that said, I love this book in the same way that I love the Love Languages books and the Enneagram books because it gives you ways of reframing other people's actions and your own um, in a way that is that that releases those defenses. And so anything that builds empathy, I really enjoy. And being able to see the world through other people's eyes, I think that's the, the power and what I really, really enjoy about this book. Um, so yeah, I, I'll give it a three. What do, what do you think, Nathan? Uh, thank you. So uh, it's actually a hard one for me because I, I kind of agree with you. I, I think because I read the book after I had done so much work in so many other areas, it just gave me like a, a little user manual to remind me very simply of the things I was already working on and then to just help to recontextualize and, and, and imprint them more deeply. I think though I would have to give it five out of five because it's become the, my primary way of, of expressing these different things, like be impeccable with your word. Like when I'm, because I'm a, someone who fosters connection and, and tribe and community, I'm often talking with people and holding space and breathwork and all these different things. And so I find myself using the language from that book a lot, a huge amount. So, so for that reason, I have to give deep thanks to him for, for putting it so well and so simply and, and give him a five. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll give it a four, um, partly because I've read so many books where it's like seven habits and 15 laws. Of <laughs> right. I can remember four things, right? <laughs> That's good. Uh, yeah. yeah, just. I wish it was only three. But <laughs> um, yeah, so from time to time, I mean, I also read the book, um, well, not recently. I think I read it when it came out. Uh, a long time ago now, but um, from time to time I have picked it up, looked at it again, reminded myself of the agreements. I thought, yeah, well, that makes perfect sense. So I think it's one of these books that you it's good to come back to. Um, and um, and as I said, I always also like it because it's of its universality. All the things in the book you'll find, I think, in every religion or ethical tradition. Um, but it's just the way he packaged, packaged it in the sort of Toltec tradition made it extra interesting um, as, a, as a read. So um, I'm grateful for him uh, for doing that. Definitely. So a little update on uh, Don Miguel Ruiz. Um, so today he is, he has authored about a dozen books, all of them similar in that they're about life and love and Toltec wisdom. Um, this book, The Four Agreements, has now sold over 10 million copies. And even though it was released in 1997, it's currently today still on the bestsellers list. So it you know comes and goes as people need the uh, the wisdom in their lives. And I can see why now might be a time for some agreements. Um, so he's been featured on numerous talk shows and news shows, including uh, Oprah's Super Soul Sunday. 
as Tom mentioned, that might be one of the things that really helped him was, was his uh, appearances with Oprah and Ellen. Um, he's the recipient of an honorary degree in cultural and social education from the American Cultural Institute of Mexico. And he's referred to as a national treasure there in his native country. So um, yeah, that's just really, really special for him. And uh, he currently lives in Nevada. And his latest book is called The Actor. And it's about living an authentic life. He just released that one last year in 2020. Mm. Yeah, he's a fascinating guy. Um, if you read the book or listen to our book insight, which goes into more detail, sort of summarizing the points in the book, um, there's a the fascinating story about his near-death experience and, and you know, what actually put him onto this road in the first place. Uh, so do make sure you listen to the book insight. And we've also got a 10-point memo, which... Uh, summarizes the sort of key points um, in the book if you don't have time to read it. So also make sure you check that out in the show notes. That's right. Yeah, if you can't remember four things like Tom can, then use the memo, <laughs> keep it. You can take it with you and you've got them ready anytime. So yeah. Nathan, thank you so much for joining us. This was so refreshing to have a musician. I don't think we've had a musician on this podcast before. <laughs> this was great. So happy to have you. So if people want to connect with you, your music, your words, uh, what's the best way to, to find you? Well, thank you so much. It's been really enjoyable to explore this with you both and for your insights. And it's it just has enriched my own experience of it. And actually, I'm in the process of putting together um, kind of opening up a, a membership space where we're going to have a book club. And I, I mean, I've wanted a book club for so long. And, and because of all the people who are connecting with my work at the moment, and the first book is going to be The Four Agreements. So it's really aligned oh. that this would, would happen. Um, and so if, if people want to connect with me further, the, the simplest for now is on Telegram. That's kind of where the most active community is. So if they just go to t.me, forward slash we are already free so t.me forward slash we are already free otherwise they can find me i'm also quite active on instagram etc but then obviously with the algorithmically less likely to see what i'm up to there but um, just search nathan main guide and find me wherever but the telegram is where the vibes are right now so yeah thank you mm -hmm. Great. Well, we will include show notes to all of the places where the vibes are because people <laughs> will want those in their life. So that sounds great. Well, thank mm. you so much again. Really happy to have you on the show. Uh, and our podcast watchers on YouTube or listeners on your favorite podcast channel, thank you all. I um, hope you will join us again for another book chat next week. And be sure to check us out also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Book Insights Pod. All right. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. That's it.